You're listening to the ESP, the European Skeptics Podcast, an independent weekly show set up to bring you news, interesting topics and interviews with people mostly from Europe, building bridges and breaking down language barriers to show the world how active and awesome the skeptical movement is in the region. This is episode 375. I'm your host, Andras Pinter, and joining me for the show are my co-hosts, Annika Harrison, Claire Crowley-Klingenberg and Pontus Böckmann. Sziasztok! Hallo! Hey, son, hey, son, Claire, I haven't seen you since the other side of the world. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Oh, that was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, it's been getting there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Great to see you back on the show. Where are you? Thank you for having me. Well, currently I'm again on a different, in a different part of the world. I'm in Florida. Oh, And I'm going stuff. to Oklahoma in a couple of days to see my family because uh, I'm originally, well, my family originally is from Oklahoma. Ah, oh, very wow. good, very good. The global Claire. <laughs> yeah, you're much more of a well-traveled person than I am, and I'm a tour guide, for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that if we were to compare uh, travel experiences, you would uh, completely knock me out of the park. <laughs> yeah, no. but you well, do get around. I'm not sure about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you get around <laughs> quite, quite, quite a lot. Yeah. And she get around. <laughs> <laughs> round, round, get around. Really, right? Good. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. This has this is becoming something completely different than what we expected. Um, but um, now that Anika, you are uh, you've been quite busy lately. Yeah, I'm also um, getting around skeptically. You're getting around skeptically speaking, skeptically speaking, especially when it comes to skeptical inquiry, isn't it? Yes. Isn't that true? Yes, yes. So. Um, Yeah, I've got another interview out with uh, Claudia Preis, who is a very prolific German skeptic and a vice chair of GWP. Right now, I'm trying to get interviews out bi-weekly, mm-hmm. sometimes mm-hmm. a bit less, if uh, my life hits, so to say, <laughs> slash if Luna life is sick, for example. Life has a tendency to get in the way, that's, that's true. <laughs> yeah, and, and viruses and bacteria do too. But yeah, who am I just to, uh, who am I talking to, like we all went through COVID? No, but but uh, the interview is actually really cool, if I might be so humble. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Claudia sure says something like, give you a pay for example uh, it's not only uh, pro-science but also actively anti-bullshit so what she says is and i quote directly from the interview we are the science ultras and sometimes even the science hooligans we go to all dark back alleys of misinformation we drain the swarms of lies we get our hands and faces dirty on social media flame wars and twitter shitstorms (laughs) (laughs) wow Uh, what i loved about that while while reading it as well and and then this reminds me of that is that she makes it sound like skepticism is the coolest thing ever. Yeah. Like, we are like superheroes trying yeah, to make so the world heroic. a better place. You're just really growing 10 centimeters just by re- reading that. Yeah. Just like, yes. Yeah, but unfortunately, on our everyday activities that don't seem like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well... I, for one, is I'm going to stop calling me a skeptic and then be a science hooligan instead. Yes. <laughs> At least for the weekend. Uh, just I to try it, it out better. and see yeah. how it works. <laughs> we definitely need to get t-shirts for the next uh, whatever skeptic thing we're going to, all four, uh, all four of us, with the word skeptic hooligans, and we have to get one for Claudia and send it to her. Yes. yes. That's, that's right. That's right. I like that idea. <laughs> we're science hooligans. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. I would wear that badge with the greatest honor. Wow. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Right. So uh, one thing about being a science hooligan is to promote things that are scientific and uh, 
correct and rational. And one such thing is immunization, getting your vaccinations mm-hmm. in order. So mm-hmm. this week, believe it or not, is the EIW, <laughs> which is the European Immunization Week. So uh, this is something that the ECDC, the European Center for Disease Control, has uh, launched. The theme this year is, quote, a lifelong approach to vaccination, end quote. So this is to emphasize that it's not just for children, which is, of course, very, very important. But the ECDC wants to highlight also that vaccines are strongly recommended for adolescents, adults and the elderly. So uh, if you don't, I mean... Everybody listening to this podcast will fit into either being a child, maybe not that many of those, but mm-hmm. a child, adolescent, adult, and elderly. So whoever you are, go get your jabs, everyone. Uh, it's very important. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, but, but even if they emphasize that, they also talk about the, the children. And there is a problem with a lot of children not getting their shots according to the recommended schedule. The ECDC has this to say in a press release in connection with the Immunization Week. Quote, between 2012 and 2021, approximately 2.4 million children in the EU or EEA area, so that's the European Economic Area, may not have received three doses of polio-containing vaccines on time. Additionally, the newly published ECDC, quote, measles annual epidemiological. I can never say that. Epidemiological. You know what I mean. The report. The report of 2022. It's <laughs> <That> very important. <laughs> okay. That report, end quote, highlights the, the risks when having pockets of an undervaccinated population or groups that are not immunized at all. So we know what they mean. If you have, you can have a fair average in certain countries, but if you have a certain area of the country or a certain part of the demographic that do not get vaccinated, you still have the risk of diseases cropping up. They can survive in those pockets and then come back. So empty your pockets, people, and clear them well. Yes, vaccinate your pockets. That is the message today from the science hooligan. (laughs) So my problem with the ECDC is that it's in the name that they want control. They are about control, disease control. No, 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 I don't trust them. But Uh, I do trust um, immunization as the idea. And I do trust vaccines. And obviously I was kidding. So the ECDC is a cool organization. (laughs) I thought your problem of the name is that it sounds like ACDC and it can be very confusing for some people. Well, you can do both. You can be vaccinated while listening to ACDC at the same time. I can't think of anything better. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and speaking of ACDC as well, it can be very electrifying Ooh. to know that uh, mm. you are immunized. So, yeah, it's a uh, very And then important. you feel like dynamite. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, <laughs> well, you might be taking the highway to hell, but who cares as long as you're having fun, right? Speaking of dynamite, we had a bit of a boom uh, in the last couple of days. So on Earth Day, which is the 22nd of April, we handed out this year's Flat Earth Award. By we, I mean the Hungarian Skeptic Society. And oh my God, the, what the shitstorm that followed. Uh, it was unbelievable because we happened to award a person who has grown 
grown into a bit of a psycho guru for Hungarian conservatives, for her homophobic comments masqueraded as science. She is an elderly psychologist who's had a very good run in her life in terms of her scientific output. And she's done a lot in terms of bringing psychology into the public eye. And uh, the popular psychology guru she became was not enough for her. So she became a bit of a figurehead for the Hungarian conservatism. And uh, that's a problem because recently, in the last couple of years, she has made many, many comments about the ill effects of opening up children's eyes to the presence of LGBTQ people and that it's a normal thing. She went so far in this, in denying that it could be normal and it's just a thing that you just get to get used to and, and it's none of your business anyway, how other people identify themselves and what sexual preferences they have. But she tries to communicate this as the word of science. Because of her previous scientific output, she's a bit of a figurehead that way. So she says that science tells us that it's abnormal, it's a deviant kind of attitude to accept transgender people, to accept anything other than the binary male-female kind of uh, division in society. And And what scientific um, literature is she citing when she says that? She she doesn't cite any. No, 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 she just... Uh, it's just it's just classic appeal to authority that she does and and her followers do now uh i have to remind you that the flat earth awards have two rounds of determining who gets the the award that year and the first round is the nominations and the first vote which is the public vote so the public nominates people and they vote on them and then in the second round we decide from the list of five top nominees who gets the award and this year it was her and Mm. one of the reasons that we gave was that because she mixes it all up with another thing that is quantum blah blah quantum gibberish (laughs) that she tries to um, she's a quantum bigot on top of everything else she's a quantum bigot in psychology (laughs) so she's the founder of quantum psychology in Hungary basically (laughs) so Yeah, Yeah, Homhumla will have a field day out of that. (laughs) The next time, uh, it goes out of topic, but next time I have to tell you guys about um, the quantum tantra lesson I went to. Ooh. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, quantum tantra. Okay. (laughs) Sounds intriguing. Yeah, it's it's like intellectually, it's about at the level of the psychologist you've been mentioning. It was really, really bad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. (laughs) But, you know, because of her being a figurehead for the conservatives, we are getting the attention that we didn't really want. And that is from the propaganda machine of the Orban regime. Yeah. Ah. So basically, massively right wing and Orban's media empire basically got on our tails because of this. So now we are the targets for these media outlets. And wow. it's absolutely amazing. So they are trying to stop us. They are, they are spreading all kinds of disinformation about 
us and about our affiliations. They are trying to make an argument that we are affiliated with all kinds of opposition parties because of our members, including my, my own self, being a member of any kind of a party. So this is ridiculous what's going on. And it seems like it's catching the ears of a lot of people. So there is one side that we haven't had this level of exposure before. So basically the whole country is talking about us because among one of the five finalists, there was one of the greatest media personality of Hungary as well. So they talked about that on the morning show that he runs. So that's a lot of exposure that we get. However, on the other hand, within the week of releasing who the, the finalists are and releasing the, the actual decision and who gets the award, we haven't had a single request for an interview or a clarification of any sort of what we said. Mm. They basically just used our press releases and decided to make up their own minds about what we are all about and why we are doing this in the first place. So I've been busy trying to deal with that and uh, it was basically a bit of firefighting that I had to do wow. in the last couple, well, of, at least couple of days. It seems that you've made an impact and people are now hearing about we definitely you. did good science hooliganism on your part <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah exactly and we are getting a lot of uh applications for membership Ooh. however we have lost a couple of as well over this so it's not an all-win situation hmm. yeah it's like if the card rattles then that people fall out on both sides so to say yeah, but one more thing that I have to say about this is that we shouldn't shy away from criticizing people just because they have a political agenda. Yes. People are angry with us for that now, that, that they are accusing us of politicizing scientific debates. It's not like that. We are criticizing that woman and all the other nominees for doing science in a bad way, in an incorrect way. And that's what they, they get the criticism for. But because of their political affiliations, we are being judged for something that we are not. So it's hard, but it would be wrong to shy away mm -hmm. from that kind of criticism because of a fear of being politically attacked. So that's the situation that the Hungarian Skeptic Society is currently in. Mm -hmm. Wow. All right. Speaking about politics and dire situations, Claire, I saw a lot of interesting photos on your Facebook about a demonstration in Prague. What was that about? So actually, uh, to connect a little bit to what Andras was saying last year, uh, we also give out the, the anti-awards for doing bad science. And last year, we gave it to the major Czech pro-life organization, which is called the Movement for Life. And we gave it to them because they said a bunch of, as they do, scientifically incorrect things. But one thing that stood out the most, apart from all the different lies they make up about pregnancy and abortion, was that they said that Ukrainian women should not be given access to abortion if they've been raped by Russian soldiers. That Ukrainian women, if they see that they're about to be raped, they should commit suicide because that would be the right thing to do than to risk pregnancy and then going for an abortion. But if they're like really afraid that instead of abortion, we should give them rape whistles. So mm -hmm. yeah, 
Well, but what? that solves the problem, right? Yes. It doesn't. That was a joke. Yeah. yeah. So, so, and this got so bad, this claim that the Czech cardinal, who was very much the supporter of the Czech pro-life movement and who kind of spoke about the giving the, of the Ukrainian women these uh, rape whistles, he actually was um, replaced. So currently he's Cardinal Emeritus. Nonetheless, he still keeps referring to himself as Cardinal, which he shouldn't, but okay. And he is still... I'll have a word with Frankie about this. It seems like he should... uh... (laughs) Yeah. I actually think that they should have a chat because the Cardinal says a lot of things that don't go... That go pretty much against what Frankie says. But anyway... Frankie could actually defrock this guy. If if it's really against what Frankie (laughs) thinks, you could defrock him. And that's the technical term, I believe. It's a yes, it pretty is. funny term, but I, I believe you. Yes, it is. Yeah. It is defrocking. <laughs> so uh, F-R-O-C-K, because it's the name of the clothing that they wear. So it's not defrogging, it's defrocking. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> defrogging. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, every year in Prague, for some time now, there have been uh, these pro-life and so-called pro-family parades where the people who are for what they call the traditional family, which is similar to the Hungarian idea of uh, one man, one woman and children, you know, none of these alphabet people, as they like to say, and no no same-sex couples and anything like that. So this kind of, this is a parade of all these wonderful progressive ideas. Um, So what they usually do is they get a bunch of kids and they give them white crosses to lead the parade. This year, they even had like a t- drummers. And since 2017, there has been a Contra parade or Contra event to that, which is a pro-choice event where Anika saw the pictures from. Because surprise, I was at the pro-choice event. I think that shocks everyone. Well done. <laughs> Good for you. Um, <laughs> so the issue was that we were with the pro-choice event was a not a, not a walking one. It was a set event in front of a concert hall next to a bridge. And the idea was that the parade of the pro-family, pro-life people were supposed to walk past that bridge and past us and continue on. But the last minute, they changed the bridges. So we had to quickly move to a different bridge where they were crossing. And uh, they were walking past us and they were spraying us with holy water and all kinds of comments. And uh, then they had this big sign that said, our children will not be like you. So us, the pro-choice crowd, started chanting, your children will be like us. And then the Cardinal Emeritus I was mentioning, he put out a big tweet. Look what they were screaming at us. Your children will be like us. See, that's the proof of the LGBT agenda of making everyone gay. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, man. I see what they did there. Yeah, yeah. but you know, like I was like chanting it too, and I. But okay, um, <laughs> this year's parade, though, like to, in all seriousness, if we get all, uh, to the serious part of this whole thing, uh, you could see that it was very, very well funded and very well organized. From everything from the drum group to balloon arches to really high quality done signs none of that we do it in the garage the morning of kind of thing that we usually do right um Mm. you could see that since last year someone from the pro family movement became official an official uh, advisor to one of our politicians when it comes to the uh, issues of family you can see a building of the influence and you can see that they are 
no longer as French as we would like them to be. A lot of Czech people still don't really understand what's the problem of talking about these groups or like, why are we, why are we bringing them up? Like, why do we care? But the thing is that if we don't talk about it, they're going to spread even more because if, if we think, oh, it's not going to be a problem, then that's when it's going to start to be a problem. Yeah. So normally uh, under our previous president, these, the, these parades of theirs had the official president auspices which also came with such benefits as having free trains to the capital city of Prague, free buses for, uh, and various other transportation benefits of, of getting their parade together. This year, we sent a letter to the new president asking him to please withhold his auspices from this event. Uh, he did not grant them, but unfortunately, the city of Prague still did. So... Huh. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's like, it's so it's, it's really no longer funny because they are, they're getting bigger and bigger support, which is kind of behind the scenes, but that mm-hmm. makes it even more insidious. And this time, normally, of course, there's always police when it comes to these events that are walk, kind of walking around. But this time they had a full police presence and they had a full police escort. The police were walking on both sides of them. They had the stormtrooper police, you know, the guys dressed up in all the SWAT mm-hmm. stuff. They had uh, coverage of police cars from the front and from the back. So, yeah, I've never seen them have this kind of level of police protection and police care to the point where when we wanted to kind of follow their parade and kind of see them from another side, like from a different square, the police blocked off the square from us that we couldn't enter it. And uh, they weren't even letting tourists mm. through for a certain amount of time because they couldn't tell if it's not those horrible pro-choice people. Um, so, yeah, it, it was it was very strange. I've never had this kind of experience in Prague where the police would, like, block off. They take sides. The police take sides. Yes, yes. Yeah. So how, how was the coverage in the news media? Yeah, that's another thing. Like, um, there wasn't much, but what there was made it seem that it was, like, either a clash of two extremes or a nice Saturday walk of peoples with families being verbally assaulted and harassed by a group of crazy, uh, what would they say? Um, Science hooligans? Anti, uh, <laughs> if so, right? Anti-fascists, um, which I don't have a problem being labeled that, LGBT activists. Hmm. This is like mm. so weird, as if Prague just yeah. moved a step to the right, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So very depressing. Yeah. So <laughs> that was very, very kind of sad to see. Um, I hope, though, that with uh, that, because this president doesn't support these groups and uh, and is very much an openly uh, pro same sex marriage, that we can maybe finally move a little bit into the future, and mm-hmm. hopefully next year it will look a little bit different, and also the pro-choice side of the event will be more organized and uh, kind of more mobile. We'll see how that goes. Yeah, hopefully more people will understand why it's important to start addressing the problem now. Because honestly, I I see a huge parallel here between the anti-abortion movement and the anti-vax movement. Because at the beginning, it was only the skeptics Mm -hmm. talking about the anti-vaxxers. Right. Like we were talking about them before it was cool Mm -hmm. and no one took us seriously. And they were saying, oh, it's just a bunch of fringe people. And then during the pandemic, everyone like discovered the problems of the anti-vax movement. And the worst thing is you cannot even have any schadenfreude at that point because it's 
it's horrible. <laughs> yeah. It's not something you want to be right about or happy about. So, yeah, um, I see some kind of thing here that they're so slowly assembling. There used to be a fringe group, but they have a lot of funding. They're part of that international pro-family alliance, which is supposed to be also funded from Russia. And now, okay, this is like a very out there thing, but supposedly it's connected to the oligarchs who are financing the kidnapping of Ukrainian children into Russia. So it's becoming a really, really big machine and a really big deal. So I hope the Czech people will slowly wake up and understand what a problem this is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. But a kind of wow. fun thing to, or to add to the end, uh, while I was on the way to, to for this podcast to set up um, the computer and everything, I drove past a crisis pregnancy center here in where I am, Naples. In Florida, yeah. Yeah, in Florida. Yeah. So, and if I didn't, like, was it wasn't supposed to meet you guys in half an hour, I would have gone in there. But in this case, I'm going to go there tomorrow. And I'm very curious to see what they're going to say. Because for those of you who don't know, crisis pregnancy centers are non-medical companies that pretend to be clinics to help women with either pregnancy or uh, securing an abortion. And these centers, they lie to women about how how far along they are, what are the actual options. They play uh, a pre-recorded heartbeat. They show women the sonogram of a baby that's just not possible. Like if you are one month along, they will show you a sonogram of a six-month baby a fetus to kind of confuse you and, and you know, get you to back off on, of the idea of abortion. Mm -hmm. So they're, they're, unfortunately, they're legal completely because they're not a medical facility, so they're not... They don't have uh, the onus of actually being correct. So mm -hmm. they're just these disinformation places. And in a lot of states now, because of the Republican influence, Planned Parenthood has been replaced by these fake clinics. Uh, so wow. I look forward to going there tomorrow and mm -hmm. just to be Burn clear, it down. <laughs> I am not pregnant. Absolutely. I am absolutely not pregnant. But I am very curious to see how far along am I and what are my options? Ooh. That would be, that's great. You have to report ah. back on yes, how that goes. Yes, we'll have you again in a few weeks and then you have to tell us what that was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll definitely wow. re record the whole interaction because I think when they tell me that I am two months along and play the heartbeat of my baby, that's going to be very exciting. That is great. Please do that. Well, it could be that you have no idea. It could have been God or it could, it could have been an angel in the middle of the night visiting well, you. Well, we all know uh, Jacob whatever. and he's no angel. He, he's a nice guy, but he's no, no angel. <laughs> Bit of Holy Spirit, huh? Yeah. Well, he's a trickster, isn't he? Anyway. <laughs> um, that will be a hard U-turn now, but I just wanted to give a little shout out to three things or more like two things happening in Germany. Uh, one will be on the day this recording comes out, so it's for very spontaneous people. <laughs> And that is a presentation of a talk or like of two talks in Augsburg on the 28th of April. Eight o'clock in Anapam. We put the links in the show notes. If you're from Augsburg or close to it, check it out. It will be cool. It will be about a German Yeti and horror. Ooh. So why, why people watch horror and why that is interesting and stuff. Mm. And the second thing I wanted to talk about is that Skeptics in the Pub is back in Germany. We already uh, in Cologne. We already had one in April. And now uh, on the 24th of May, we'll have another one. 
about uh, yeah. the replication crisis in psychology. So once we have some uh, link, we'll also put it in the show notes and yeah, stay tuned. <laughs> yeah. So Skeptics in Cologne, they've had uh, online yes. uh, talks mm-hmm. or, or no, not not always talks, but uh, usually, gatherings. Usually just for, the gatherings, yeah. And yeah, 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 yeah. But now, now the this pub is the second thing, time yes. you're back in physical The actual shape. pub is back. <laughs> <laughs> The pub, <laughs> yes. Very and good. before that, of course, we also have Skepcon from the 18th to the 20th of May in Frankfurt. Yeah. So also pretty excited about that. <laughs> mm. Oh, oh, and uh, next month, Pontus will be in Prague doing a talk about COVID in Sweden. Woo! <laughs> I will. I oh, will. I will okay. be. That is, uh, I'm looking very much forward to that. I think so, we should get uh, the skeptical calendar back out, shouldn't we? <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's still there. So you can look <laughs> uh, have a look at our website to see what's going on. I'm not sure we're capturing everything, but there's always something happening every week. But I will go to uh, Prague, yes, and talk to the Club Sisyphos. Is that what you're called, yes. Claire? Yeah. And I will talk about the COVID response of Sweden which was so much criticized and was different. And in some cases, it deserves to be criticized, but it wasn't the way you heard about it in the media. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Um, <laughs> this, this was an intro that was quite long. I mean, we had we've, episodes we've been shorter chatting than that. <laughs> for half an hour. And yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'd like to reassure our listeners that we do have a show prepared for you. So, and how we usually start the show is with Twish, which is This Week in Skeptical History. And we have a birthday boy again. Well, not today. It's on the 30th of April, which marks the anniversary of the birth of Carl Friedrich Gauss. Yes, that's... How was the pronunciation, Annika? Carl Friedrich Gauss. So very close. (laughs) Okay, very close. Mm -hmm. Um, So he was born on the 30th of April, 1777. And if his name sounds very familiar is because he was a prolific mathematician and physicist who invented a lot of things, but he really contributed a great deal to the field of mathematics. This is why he's sometimes being referred to as the prince of mathematicians. Well, he was no prince per se, but some refer to him as the greatest mathematician since antiquity. He was a child prodigy. Apparently, at three years of age, he was already corrected an error in his father's payroll calculations. So, <laughs> quite <laughs> quite a talent there. And um, yeah, he was in his 20s, I believe, when he published his first book and that was basically his magnum opus Disquisitiones Arithmeticae. It was it was covering all kinds of mathematical areas. He was professor at the University of Göttingen and he contributed a lot to the actual practical fields of science like astronomy. When it comes to his calculations, his calculations were very important in terms of finding something that was found in the beginning of the 19th century, the first dwarf planet series. Italian astronomer Giuseppe Piazzi discovered it, but then there were problems with with actually... Yeah, 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 like tracking it. (laughs) I knew I had it here somewhere. (laughs) 
Where did I put yeah, it? Yeah. Well, uh, there were times when astronomy was which, was done like that. <laughs> so it was <laughs> <laughs> it was very interesting. But um, yeah, he determined the, the further orbit of uh, Ceres. And uh, then it became possible to track it. And that was the first dwarf planet to be discovered. And um, it's still the largest among them. Number theory was his big thing as well. He was um, contributing a lot to to statistics and that's probably the way most of skeptics out there know his name is because of uh, statistics and probability because Gauss introduced something that is named after him currently that is the Gaussian distribution that is the fact that most of data that we can gather is represented by a bell-shaped or normal curve where there is a mean value and that is the highest among them all and then as we move towards the extremes it starts easing out and it falls off towards plus and minus infinity that can have a lot of different width and height but the shape is basically the same and that is what we call normal distribution as well and that he worked a lot on the error curves as well which we all use in the statistical analysis of data that we try to analyze so it's very important and uh, interestingly and that is a bit of a sideline of the scientific side of his life because when he died his brain was removed Okay, I'm glad I waited until after he died. Otherwise, it would be very yes. difficult. Yeah, to use it. Yeah, yeah. It, it would have been. So a lot of people wanted to know what made him click that way. How did his brain Was work? it shaped as a normal distribution? <laughs> oh, ha, 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 ha. Well... <laughs> and the, the first measurements by uh, Rudolf Wagner revealed that the mass of the brain was slightly above the average. Well, there were all kinds of different ideas as to how to analyze it. And even in the, in the 1990s, towards the 1990s, his brain was investigated with magnetic resonance uh, equipment at the, the Max Planck Institute for Bio, Biophysical Chemistry in Göttingen. And they found that he was unfortunately still dead. Still dead? Yeah. <laughs> unfortunately yeah his brain could not store all the, the knowledge and all the thoughts that he used to have so um, that is unfortunate but what is more unfortunate for science is that they found nothing to explain his mathematical abilities so too bad yeah. but um, he still contributed a lot to science and mathematics and for that we applaud him and we celebrate his birthday, which is on the 30th of April. Happy birthday. Very good. Carl Friedrich Gauss. Yes. So, someone who didn't really contribute much to science, <laughs> the Pope. <laughs> so, here comes what we call Pontus Poking the Pope. Yes, because this week I'd like to poke a different Pope, Ooh. just to get it. Well, yes, wait, we have two. <laughs> yeah, well, a dead one. Well, we, we used to have that two. That one died, but we used to have a third one before that. And I'm going to talk about John Paul II or Karol Joseph Wojtyla, or something to that effect. Uh, he was Polish. I don't speak Polish, so I'm probably butchering that. But he is in the news. 
despite being dead since 18 years. And this is in connection with the Orlandi affair, which I've mentioned in the past. The Orlandi affair is about a young girl who lived in the Vatican and disappeared off the school without any trace back in 1983, when Wojtula was the Pope as John Paul II. The Vatican has been accused of not telling everything they know about this, and in fact, just last year, some new records came to light of meetings and investigations carried out by the Vatican, and they have said that they hadn't done anything before. So they are definitely hiding something. One guy who has been more vocal than anyone else in attacking the Vatican for not doing enough is Pietro Orlandi. He is the brother of Emanuela, the girl who disappeared when she was 15 mm. back in the 80s. So Pietro Orlandi has harshly criticized John Paul II for being indifferent to the disappearance and also hinted that he may have been involved in some way to the whole thing. Now Pietro Orlandi has gone even further and he has presented testimony from a known mobster. So the plot thickens here. So a, a mafia guy called Marcello Neroni. Oh, I should say it in the classical Italian. Yes. Marcello Neroni. Excuse me, and Marcello. Marcello. So let's do it again. Marcello <laughs> Neroni. So Pietro Orlandi had this to say. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> Fiumicino. <laughs> well, it's always like some pasta. You would like to eat it. Okay. <laughs> Dagletelle. So this is, this, this is what Pietro said. Quote. They tell me that Wojtyla, and of course that's John Paul II, used to go out at night with two Polish monsignors, and it certainly wasn't to bless houses. End quote. So, <laughs> so now they're 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 saying they're, they're no. So apparently the Pope was sneaking out at night with other guys, and they, you don't know what they did. So the thing is that John Paul II actually had a tendency to sneak off uh, without telling anybody from time to time, especially in his younger years. Of course, we all have the picture of him when he was older and he probably couldn't even get out of his chair without help. But he did do this when he was younger, sneaking out without the knowledge of the Vatican staff. So that was very suspicious. And this mobster, Neroni, has uh, previously accused John Paul to be part of secret sex adventures. So, okay. I do not buy into all of this. Uh, it's a little bit too gossipy for me. There's no real proof except from this uh, Marcello Neroni guy. And uh, Pietro Orlandi has all kinds of reasons to be hostile towards the Vatican. So I, d I don't know. I don't know what's happening. But the reaction from the Vatican has not been kind. They are not taking this. And even Frankie himself, who normally goes out of his way not to comment on any kind of scandal, he couldn't stay quiet. He really thought about it and he called it, quote, offensive and unfounded, end quote. So that's the harshest I've heard Frankie say about anything ever. So, um, yeah. I don't know what to make all of this. I just thought it, we should all be aware what's happening in the world of the Vatican and maybe at least they will finally put the pressure on Frankie to make sure that everything that the Vatican knows about this case comes to light. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, I have my doubts. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm a skeptic. Yeah. So um, let's see what else is going on in Europe from a skeptical point of view. 
Yeah, and I want to talk about a study that was done in a Bavarian hospital or Bavarian hospitals. Um, that's actually interesting to do because this study was about so-called alternative medicine or as Edward Ernest calls it, scam. Scam. Uh, which is called a speaking name as we, as we call it in Bavarian hospitals. And that's interesting because scam is very prevalent in Germany, used by about 60% of the population. But the extent is pretty much unknown. And they looked at 389 Bavarian acute care hospitals. And we can already see that that is how prevalent it is because 82% offered at least one kind of um, alternative medicine and 66% at least three different scans. Mm -hmm. And among that was relaxation techniques, acupuncture, massage, movement art and music therapy, meditative movement therapies like yoga, aromatherapy, and so on and so on. Interestingly, we could also see that uh, there's a difference between specialties. So they were most common in psychiatry and psychosomatics at 87%. Uh, for example, the relaxation techniques, the movement and art therapy. And in gynecology and obstetrics, where acupuncture, homeopathy and aromatherapy were most common, which very nicely ties into the presentation I did in Australia. <laughs> yeah. And also, basically, one of the things I'll talk about in... At Skepcon. At Skepcon, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Because, yes, these things got offered to me too, while I was a um, gynecological patient and giving birth. <laughs> so it is there. It is definitely there. Mm. And the areas of application uh, were, for example, standalone therapy, sometimes as prevention, um, as support, but also sometimes as preparation before drug therapy or surgery. So um, what we can say is, yes, it definitely is a, is a big thing in these Bavarian acute care hospitals. And you can especially see it in several different specialties. But this study also didn't look at all scams they are. So they, for example, didn't look at herbal medicine, which is pretty popular and big in Germany. And as you guys know, who, who watched my, my presentation, like it's also big in birth medicine, for example. But it's not mentioned in the survey. Then massaging is, is pretty, pretty mainstream and normal in Germany, but also not really medical. Thus, it's not really a scam, but this is mentioned. So well, it depends. It depends on why you get a massage. Exactly. If you get it just to relax or feel better mm -hmm. or you like it, that's fine. Yeah, but, but if exactly. you get it under the yeah. pretense mm -hmm. that it will cure something, then it's a scam. Exactly. So um, that's why this study sh still should uh, be taken with a grain of salt. And especially because in this study, they didn't even breach the whole evidence topic. So mm. um, they just said, oh, this is not part of the project here you go. <laughs> so they could have said like, oh, this is not evidence-based. Um, I mean, the scams are not evidence-based. But yeah, it's. I think it's still good to have this study because it just gives us a few numbers that we can crunch. Yeah, it will make nicely um, as part of my Skepcon presentation source list. <laughs> okay, I have some good news for you guys, just for a change. Good. Have you been playing the Cranky Uncle game? Well, well not lately, but I did, yeah. did play it, yeah. 
Maybe you've already had the high score, whatever. So for those who are not aware, Cranky Uncle is a game that you can play. It's also a book, actually, but it's a game you can play on your phone. And your aim is to convince the quote-unquote Cranky Uncle character in the game that he is wrong about his climate change denial. Or you try to meet his arguments. And you learn all kinds of arguments there. And uh, also how they are classified, how they're constructed, and if they actually work, which is very important. We interviewed John Cook on episode 210 when he published the book, which is called Cranky Uncle versus Climate Change. This is the book that the game then is based on. And all of this is based on actual science. It's not just climate science. It's about which argument actually works and which arguments do not work. So the news this week, and I'm happy to report this, is that a scientific paper written by John Cook et al., as you say, mm-hmm. it's called, quote, The Cranky Uncle Game, Combining Humor and Gamification to Build Student Resilience Against Climate Misinformation, end quote. <gasps> and I have taken a breath. <laughs> I don't know why, why. Sometimes, a lot of the time, these scientific papers, they try to get the whole abstract into the, the title. But okay. Fair enough. That's actually a very traditional way of doing it because if you look at like manuscripts of from medieval times, the first sentence was always like the title of the manuscript. So I think that's a continuation of the tradition. They're right. It's right, and p- the Pope still does that. Uh, it's, he hasn't uh, evolved <laughs> beyond that. Anyway, this paper that I just quoted, it has received a prestigious award. This award is presented to them by the Institute for Information Literacy at Purdue. Purdue? Purdue. I guess that's Purdue. a place. Purdue. Purdue. It's uh, abbreviated IILP. And an IILP award includes uh, $1,000. It's not a lot of money, but uh, it's a little bit of money. Cook et al. are sending their earnings straight back into further development of the Cranky Uncle game, where they say these funds, quote, will be very useful in helping to drive forward with translations, further development, and routine maintenance, end quote. And I'm glad they mentioned translations there, because as of now, the Cranky Uncle game is available not just in English, but also in Dutch, German, Spanish, Portuguese, French, Italian, Swedish, and Turkish. And the Turkish version came online just this month. And I'm sure that other versions are on the way. Or what do you say, Andras? Do we see a Hungarian version soon or not? Not that I know of. No, not Um, that you know. Okay, fine. So I'm very proud that we in the Swedish skeptics uh, helped creating the Swedish version anyway. And uh, Claire, mm. any Czech version? Well done. Uh, no, along? Uh, I have already considered people that could help create the Czech version, that we could, we'll, the Czech skeptics could contact them and also be part of the Czech version of the Cranky Uncle. But as of now, not nothing. No, but I can say that uh, as a call to anyone who wants to translate it to Czech or to Hungarian or to Slovakian, whatever you can think of, you can get in cut in touch with us at info at the esp.eu and we will uh, get you in contact with Berbel, who is uh, organizing the whole thing of translating this. I think it's very important to do that. It's a fun game, but it's very, very educational as well. Mm. 
So uh, my news item is going to be quite short. Uh, fortunately, uh, fortunately, it's going to be quite short because nothing happened. We over in a flash. Yes, <laughs> I will be over in a flash. Exactly. So uh, on nothing April, to see here, people. Yeah. So yeah, today is really the day of puns, isn't it? So on uh, <laughs> April twentieth at ten p.m., the capital city Kiev of Ukraine was blinded by a flash. That, of course, sure, because of the current Russian invasion in Ukraine was absolutely terrifying to the locals. Fortunately, fortunately, it was most likely a meteor that was passing through the atmosphere. Of course, the military administration did prepare air defense, but that defense did not go into operation. As Sergei Popko, the military administration had mentioned and sent out on Telegram. So it was a flash. Fortunately, there was no bang, and uh, <laughs> it was just some other celestial body passing through the atmosphere. Ah, very good. Because mm. there was a lot of uh, rumors, at least during the first day after that this happened. It, somebody said it was a uh, an American satellite that was crashing down. Yeah, there was a discussion that it could have been the RHESSI uh, satellite because that was actually planned to be sent out of orbit that day, but it was planned to be sent out of orbit a couple of hours later. So it, it, was, it, was, okay. it was not the satellite, and NASA did confirm that it was not their satellite. Well, so it was Martians. Yes. We can it was nowhere assume. near the place where it all happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it could be considered a UFO yeah. for a short while. It's unidentified. Well, to me, when I don't wear glasses and I look at the sky, everything is a UFO, so... Oh, nice. Nice. Now, that seems to have happened to a lot of Hungarians as well <laughs> in their lifetimes, because the National Geographic is preparing the Hungarian version of their very successful series, which is UFOs Investigating the Unknown. And uh, that is quite successful. Obviously, it has been going on since the release of all the, the UFO files by the Pentagon. Since then, there's been a bit of a craze. So this is the wave that National Geographic tries to ride. They prepared the introduction of the series with a survey, with a representative survey of the Hungarian audience. And um, they found out that 28% of Hungarians, almost one in three people, have seen a UFO in their lifetime. Oh, then it must be true then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's uh, obviously we're talking about objects or phenomena in the sky that they could not identify well, yeah. immediately. I've seen something that I didn't know what it was. Okay. So that's a UFO, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> the interesting part comes when they dug a little bit deeper. Obviously, they wanted to know if uh, people believe that there is intelligent life outside of Earth. And 70% of Hungarians said yes to that question. And that's still not surprising. I mean, well, many of us believe that there has to be intelligent life in the universe outside of Earth. Well, what's happening on Earth is according to some, debatable whether it is intelligent or not. Um, but um, <laughs> It's like the vaccines. There are pockets of yeah. intelligence. <laughs> pockets of intelligence. <laughs> so yeah, there, occasionally I tend to agree that it is debatable. 
However, when it comes to identifying these objects and giving an idea as to what they might be, 33% of the people who have seen a UFO believe, so one in three of those who, who have seen one, believe that it's evidence of extraterrestrial intelligent life. Um, well, that is quite significant, I believe. A lot of people, almost half of the respondents overall, would be very happy to take part in an encounter of the third kind. That is interesting as well. I'm actually one of those. I would really want to be there. Yeah, I would be delighted. Yeah. So, uh, not many surprises there, but... Uh, First of all, I'm not very happy about the series because knowing the style that uh, National Geographic produces these shows, I'm pretty sure that there will be a lot of open questions at the end of each series. I haven't seen the English version, but I have my worries about that. And uh, that means that a lot of people will walk away from these shows on a weekly basis thinking that, oh, there might be something to this. And I don't like that, but it's definitely a very professional approach that they applied here with the survey, with the representative survey of uh, the population of Hungary for probing the audience. So, well, we'll see how it turns out. It starts on the 28th of April at 10 p.m. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, mm -hmm. right. Okay, back to Earth then. <laughs> we, <laughs> and this is unfortunately a bit... Uh, a very, I would say, depressing topic, but um, have to report on it. And as we have reported on before, about the crazy restrictions on abortions in Poland. As of 2021, there is almost no possibility of getting an abortion. Even when there's no chance of survival of the fetus or of the baby, there's, you can't get it. There are only two cases when it's allowed, and that's when the woman's life or health is endangered by the continuation of the pregnancy and also when the pregnancy is a result of a criminal act but you have to go through the hoops even then so you need a consent from a physician in the first case and a certificate or a certification from a prosecutor in the second case and also if you're a minor of course you have to get your parents uh, consent so it's uh, it's not easy so these rules are now, so they've been implemented for two years now. And we can see that it's taking a huge toll on pregnant people in Poland. A Swedish journalist traveled there to investigate it and she visited a special hospice. Now, what's special with this hospice is that it was founded in 2017 only to support people who wanted to go through with the pregnancy when there was no hope or very low chance of the pregnancy ending with a, a live baby. So initially, of course, this was used by patients who chose to do this voluntarily, but now they are swamped with patients that uh, have no choice because they cannot get an abortion, even if they know that the baby is not going to live it is um, really, really terrible. These people are now forced to go through with a doomed pregnancy, whether they want it or not. I cannot imagine how cruel that is. Oof. Sorry to bring I, down the I mood. I kind of also don't want to imagine that. No. 
Uh, yeah, I can bring the mood up if uh, wanted. Yes, please. <laughs> please do. With two whimsical, nice uh, things. <laughs> and that is, there's one new format out in our German public TV channel ZDF or um, ZDF. And is what the fact. <laughs> ah. So the abbreviation is also WTF, <laughs> like the live stream I'm a format Very I'm part of. Very popular these days, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, you know uh, what the fact is about um, explaining things. The first episode was about COVID out of a lab question mark, mm -hmm. and the second one is about. Putin's gas, and they're not talking about his digestive system, I believe. I was wondering, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Putin has gas. Well, he does oh, we think, know. So. <laughs> so that's why he's so grumpy all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but the, the good thing is, like, these are like documentaries, so they really go in deep. It's like 40 minutes, so it's not a quick talk. It's really like uh, going, going into it. Um, and the second thing I wanted to mention is that Florian Eigner, who did the I believe he was. He did the keynote in Vienna, or an evening, an evening presentation in Vienna. Yeah, he did the special evening uh, lecture. Yes. Oh, ah, right. yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he did. And um, he has a new book out called "Why We Don't Walk Through Walls, But Our Particles Do: A Travel Guide Through the World of Quantum." Oh, that's <laughs> a very clever oh. title. I like that. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I'm pretty sure that he has more of an idea of what he's talking about when it comes to quantum than Because our very own Emu exactly. Kabogdi, the, the, the psychologist <laughs> that, that we gave yeah, because <laughs> Flat Earth Award to. Exactly. Because Florian Eigner was, was an active researcher. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not radioactive, an inactive oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> researcher. Okay. And uh, yeah, now he's a science communicator, basically. Yeah, I'm just excited to read that book. So we'll, of course, put put the link into the show notes and anyone who can read German should buy that book. Yeah, so, okay. Yes. All right. That has uh, been all the news from Europe that we could gather. If our listeners want to hear a bit more of a variety of news, please let us know what's going on in your countries because there's that there are a lot of countries in Europe that we don't always cover because we don't know what's going on <laughs> so uh let us let us know <laughs> all right so but that would bring us to finding out who's been really wrong or really right lately but we decided to let it sit for a while this week we are not handing out any of those awards so that basically brings us to the end of the show which is always marked by a quote so anika have you got one for us Yes, and of course, I had to give you a quote by Carl Friedrich Gauss. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> of course. We had course. quotes by him before, but not this one. I hope it's in German. It is. It is in okay, German. Okay, good, 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 good. good. <laughs> okay. Hit us. And it's also a bit of a uh, funny one. So, like, I, I would like you to d discuss after, mm -hmm. but I'll, I'll read it out first. Das Ergebnis habe ich schon. Jetzt brauche ich nur noch den Weg, der zu ihm führt. Or in English... I have had my results for a long time, but I do not yet know how I am to arrive at them. <laughs> it's one it's pseudoscience 101. Yes, exactly. <laughs> 
I can actually imagine like uh, kids in school saying that when they like get a test or something <laughs> to the teacher, and they say, "I'm just quoting this brilliant physicist." <laughs> yeah, great. It's great. <laughs> well, but it really is how they work. Mm-hmm. Like they come to the conclusion first, and then they try to find something to back it up with. Yeah, but mm-hmm. to be fair, we all do. If I get accused of misplacing the car key in my house, my first instinct is say, no, I did not. And then I have all the rationale yeah, arguments yeah. and, and <laughs> all the way until my wife finds the car key in my pocket. Then, then I can... Well. But it's not the best scientific method. <laughs> no, no, it's not. No, no, no. Absolutely not. But no, we all y- do it y- instinctively. Yes. We, we mm-hmm, want mm-hmm. to believe... Yes. We yeah. want to know before we do the hard work and then we spend all the hard work yeah. justifying what we already knew to begin with. Yeah, 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 mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, you're quite right. But uh, what um, the key is that if you're happy with doing pseudoscience, you can get stuck at that level and not move forward and try to work it out and get rid of that kind of habit and drive. Yep. So, uh, yeah. So it's quite a good quote from Carl Friedrich Gauss. Thank you very much, mm-hmm. Annika. And indeed, Thank you. thanks to all of you, Annika, Claire and Pontus. Thanks a lot. My pleasure. Thank you. Claire, <laughs> it's been great to have you back on the show. Thank you. I'm very happy to be back. Yeah, you're welcome here anytime. So. Thank you. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> also, I'd like to thank our listeners for tuning in. Please keep doing so. And until next week, goodbye. Tschüss. Hello. Naskano. Vislat. This has been your ESP experience. The show is produced and recorded by the ESP.eu. Join us again next time, but until then, please send your feedback, comments, or death threats to info at the ESP.eu. We would also love to hear your ideas and suggestions regarding future episodes, as well as news from your country of residence that might interest others across the continent. If you have a local event or organization to promote, please don't hesitate to let us know, as we are more than happy to help. All music in the program was written and performed by Keisha J. Gray and George Schraub and is used with their permission. Please check out our webpage at www.theesb.eu, follow us on Twitter at espodcast underscore eu, and like us on Facebook. I don't know how you can believe. He has a very kind face, so he's he's almost an angel-like figure. Oh, he definitely was an angel in Vienna with Luna. <laughs> all right, we have a little bit of a Jakob crush here going on all over the place. Oh, definitely, definitely. Oh, he's just fandom. Yeah, we're just fans. <laughs> all right said it so welcome back claire we just uh, pretended nothing happened so uh, nobody's noticed uh, (laughs) that you that you were gone yeah nobody noticed that you were not here my phone started saying you know careful (laughs) overheating so i tried to like fix it and while i was trying to fix it just went you know phone overheated you know too bad (laughs) oh wow (laughs) wow and that happens aye, aye, aye. In ske- when, when you listen to skeptics, your phone will overheat because of <laughs> yeah, the topics. And it's and the- really, really hot here. So even I have air conditioning oh, really? on and everything, but it's still, Jesus Christ, it's so fucking hot. <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> wow.